Yes! It is a brand new episode of The Culture Guitarist. I just yelled loud enough that I could hear the echo on our guest's laptop. My name is Across the Universe Al. And with me, as ever, is Crossing the Great Divide, Casper, and our special, special guest, Time Traveling Trevor from <laughs> Vigilant Guitars. How you doing, Trevor? Fantastic. Great to be with you guys. Excellent, man. <laughs> Casper, give me give me an out of ten rating on the nicknames, man. You got a questionable uh, face going on. Here. I'm just wondering why you said you were so slow. Is it because the universe is so grand? It takes a long time. To I don't get know. There? I, there wasn't a plan there. It was just... <laughs> like, or did you just have like a hooked on phonics moment and couldn't read? Wow. <laughs> borderline offensive. I just I don't plan these things, man. I just I know. I just I'm a I'm a big personality in a small world. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I thought you were going somewhere else. Anyways, carry on. Yeah. Anyways, okay. <laughs> this is a weird intro, as ever. So, pretty stoked to have you on, Trevor. Man, I, I got to be honest. I'm, I'm really glad you're here. Oh no, I've uh, I've I've recently kind of got into the guitarist and uh, the podcast, and um, I've been really enjoying what you guys are making. So it's 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 really an honor to be on. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, I wish more of our guests said really warm, nice things about us to start it off. It's great. <laughs> Just feed my ego. Uh, well, let's kick it off what's been up this week. Let's start off with our guest. What's, what have you been up to this week, Trevor? Oh, boy. Well, uh, New Year. Um, and, uh, I mean, I treated myself this Christmas. I got me a Skookum label maker, and I've just been going ham in my shop. <laughs> it's been great. <laughs> okay. So it's like, like everything that, has numbers. It's all legible. I can <laughs> not just like my childish writing that's strapped onto some painted tape. Okay, oh. I thought you were gonna say a guitar or some cool piece of gear that you didn't have or something. <laughs> so, so is this no, like a no. like a heat transfer labeler or like the classic know? like press yeah, plastic, like the press plastic ones? That's the ones I got in my little repair shop. No, no, I used to have one of those vinyl ones where you rotate the wheel and it goes and then you crunch yeah, the Yeah, yeah, that's what I got. Then, no, they got this new digital one out now. It's uh <laughs> I'm talking about it like it's uh, sliced bread, but I mean, it's a it's a revolution. <laughs> Label maker for the modern man. All right. I like it. <laughs> yeah, but uh no, other than that, I mean, it's it's uh, last year was a blast um building and this year's really shaping up to be something else too. It's it's uh I've got Orders coming in, and you know wood's going to be flying soon. So I'm I'm really excited. Awesome, that's awesome, dude. Good year for vigilant guitars. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Well? Um, me. What have I been up to? Uh, I brought back your Pro Junior amplifier that I've been borrowing for a little while. Um, uh, I you know kind of similar to last week I, I really don't have a lot to report on as far as like playing guitar myself or new equipment or anything I don't have any new gear or anything like that um, I've been spending a lot of, a lot a lot of time <laughs> uh, working on a thing for the podcast and on the phone with people that's pretty much been the bulk of my my time lately which is fine I, I like doing that stuff um, I did get to sit down a little bit with uh, the Kronbauer jazz box and hang out with that and bash my knuckles on the volume knob a little bit because uh, <laughs> I still swing like an orangutan when I strum. Um, is it orangutan? Orangutan? I think it's orangutan. There's no G. I've always said orangutan. 
I don't really know. Orange juice. Orangutan. <laughs> orange juice. <clears throat> orange monkey. Um, yeah, so I, I, I spent some time playing that thing and really enjoying it. You know what I haven't done, though, which is a little bit ironic considering I brought back an amp? Uh, I haven't plugged it in. I don't know what it sounds like plugged in at all. So the volume knob is literally just there to back it's your just knuckles just there on. to, like, yeah. I got a cut on my little finger here. Oh, yeah, look at that. <laughs> so, yeah. He learns slowly, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I'm I'm almost 40, man. I, there's, yeah. you know. Old dogs. Old you know? dogs, yeah. Mm. <laughs> and I wasn't a smart dog to begin with, so. <clears throat> but anyway, what have you been up to, dude? I have acquired some gear. You did, yeah. Boy, so. Uh, we you we know posted that, about it, yeah. Yeah, I posted about it on my Instagram, and I think we I think we shared it to the we culture guitarist. Um, so I picked up the long sought after uh, PV Classic 30, uh, 30 watt tube amp combo. That's awesome, man. You have been looking for one for a couple of years. A couple of years, and it's always been the just out of reach, um, either geographically or financially. And it just so happened that a local guy. Uh, was selling this one. It's not the tweed covered one, like like kind of that I was looking for, or the what do you call it, twill? Uh, tweed, whatever. Tweed. Yeah, I think it's tweed covered. So, um, it's a black Tolex one. Um, but everything works. It sounds awesome, and uh, it's it's real loud. <laughs> yeah, those classic thirties, man, they're great. Clear as a bell. Oh yeah, and that was the first thing I noticed because it's got the two channels, so. You know, going from the clean channel to the dirty channel. The dirty channels are awesome. Like, really, really love how rich and, and meaty it is. But the cleaner channel, the clean channel, is absolutely pristine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think <clears throat> going back to my pro or my uh, katana is even a little bit of gain feels like a little bit of dirt on that, mm. no matter what. And this doesn't do that. This has this literally smooth pristine sound and i really like that well that's great man now you got uh you got two really nice amps over there that's really awesome i think i'm covering bases you know yeah I, you know everybody needs to have so many so many dirt and drive pedals out there are are kind of really their whole design is geared towards pushing something tubed mm. and so not having an amp like that even a, just a small one in your collection i feel like you're, you're always going to miss out on something. It's not even that the pedal, your pedal's probably going to sound great through a Katana or a Salt State amp. That's not what I'm getting at. It's just, there's something cool about driving tubes real hard. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, I have to give a shout out one more time to Norm at Normac Pedals. Um, he created these little, um, there's the, a, the a cultured guitarist, the guitarist drive boost pedal. <laughs> and, um, <clears throat> I, I had a tr some trouble with it, and it was nothing to do with with Norm. Um, I opened it and was looking inside, and I think I put something back wrong. And didn't I, I say that? Didn't I, I suggest I, that like way back yeah. when? <laughs> so I shorted out the boost, and it wouldn't work. And I was like, "Oh, geez, I'm gonna have to get a hold of Norm." I feel like an idiot because I've probably done this. And, uh, um, yeah, no. So I opened it again and realized, "Oh, that's what I did." So I undid the mistake I made, and it works perfectly. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So, chalk one up for Norm. <laughs> awesome pedal, and uh, yeah, no, minus one point uh, for me because I'm an idiot. <laughs> so well, that'll come up in the next quiz show. <laughs> probably. <laughs> Yeah, well, just points for Norm in general, man. That was a really kind yeah. and cool thing that he did, just making us those petals out yeah. of the blue. And then painting them blue. And they are blue, yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, right on. Well, let's fire into it with the man of the hour, Trevor. Tre- can I say your last name on the show, which some guests don't like to? Oh, no, go for it. Mr. Yeah. Okay, Trevor Woodland. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> so let's kick it off, man. I, again, I'm cursing the fact that we have not made epic music for this section because we almost always ask this of our first-time guests. But uh, give us the origin story of... Uh, of you and and vigilant and how this all got started yeah oh geez i'll try and i'll I'll try and summarize it as best as i can um i took to guitar way back in middle school um i hit puberty pretty fierce in grade six and (laughs) (laughs) wow we're really going back (laughs) i was the only one who could hold the bass in jazz band so here's your instrument kid go for it so I said, okay, well, so you, I'd done piano lessons, right? But, um, yeah, bass guitar, I took to that like a fish in water. And uh, we lived pretty far from town, pretty rural, um, just about a half hour between Courtney Campbell River. So if, if something broke, mom and dad weren't driving you to town. Um, so go fix it. Uh, go into dad's shop and you start messing around with my old bass guitar. It was an old Japanese Vantage. Um, and... Uh, so you just start taking it apart, putting it back together. If the tuner shaft is wonky, you bend it back. If you open up the electronics, you start soldering this and that doesn't work and you fix it and you try it. And all your friends start saying, Oh, can you fix this? Can you fix that? And I say, yeah, sure. I've seen that. And I've tried this and I can, I can do that. No problem. So you kind of become a bit of a handyman in that way um, through high school. And you start buying gear and you start taking it apart and you start putting it back together and just doing that more and more. And, you know, through university and everything, I would buy stuff on Craigslist and use Vic and take it apart, fix it up, you know, sell it. And that was a lot of fun as a good little hobby. And then, uh, I really took the deep dive after, uh, after a few years working at, um, uh, Craig Derrick castle, it's a historical heritage house where it's all, beautiful woodwork, you know, coffered ceilings, um, you know, shellac polished walls, um, learning for amazing woodwork from some really talented restoration techs there. I was learning all kinds of stuff about woodwork and joinery and just historical research and all these things. And in my weekends starting to basically work free, uh, for a local builder, um, Matt Dolmage. I got to give a big shout out to Matt Dolmage. Uh, of Dolmage Designs. He was uh, making guitars out of his shop. And I basically said, I'll work for you for free. I just want to learn the trade a bit more. And uh, he basically turned me into a sanding monkey and said, here you go. <laughs> I was just say, that <laughs> means you sanded guitars for 12 hours a day yeah. for like three years, right? Yeah, and happily, yeah. <laughs> How do you do a radius? How do you get this? How do you get that? Um, and just also the, the business of the trade, right? We all, we all read books and we all look at YouTube videos and it's, it's all this romantic, you know, hand planes and, you know, shavings that are coming off the fretboard, just perfect. But I mean, you know, sometimes you just got to bust out the, you know, the bandsaw and planer and just, you know, dig in for two or three hours until the job's done. And, and, and more so, especially in Canada, um, what can you get in Canada? <laughs> Cause you're not getting nitro too easy. You're not getting this wood too easy. Um, you know, it's, it's, you can, you can have a pie in the sky idea about the industry, but if it doesn't work in your country, it's, there's no hope in it. So he showed me the ropes around town and I, I will 
really appreciate that for my whole life for that. But, um, he was getting out of it and I wanted to get into it. So he sold me his, a lot of his tools, his planers, uh, jigs, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, uh, hung out my shingle and, uh, that's where vigilant really started back in, um, 2015. Wow. Cool. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. What, what an awesome dude. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm still good friends with them and we're, we're still good buds and you know, I'll, I'll still turn to them for advice. Cause I, it's, it's just so well respected. So. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Well, was a, you did a good job of making it a, an abbreviated story, man. Yeah. Oh, I hope. <laughs> you're, you're the first guest to start their origin story out by ta- telling us when we went through puberty. And uh, yeah. I, was, I was kind of expecting at that point, like, oh, boy, here comes the novel. But <laughs> Yeah, no. <laughs> no, it's, it's. I mean, if, I, uh, if it was off by six months, I might have been on the trombone. It's a different podcast. But. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, I'm sure, yeah, the wanky jazz noodlers podcast or something. Yeah. And Al would yeah. play saxophone. Oh, I would not. <laughs> Never. <laughs> yeah. no. Oh, no. How dare you, sir. Just for, sir, oh. for everybody, Al absolutely loves the saxophone. You should email him uh, your favorite swanky oh, jazz saxophone no. tunes. <laughs> I, listen, it's nothing personal. I have good friends that play the saxophone. There's just something about the timber of that instrument that sounds like somebody took the sound of an orgasming goose, <laughs> ran it backwards through a tape deck, and then blasted it, uh, blasted it, it, <laughs> <laughs> blasted it alongside the sound of somebody kicking a cow in the baby makers, and that's the sound of a saxophone. It's just this horrible honky noodling i just can't do it i i i don't understand when people say it's the sexiest instrument because i'm like have you heard a saxophone so i think it's a personal issue yeah <laughs> uh, none of those things equate to the sound of a saxophone I, I, I know. <laughs> nothing personal <laughs> describes it in deep personal yeah, yeah. Uh, anyways yeah. i'm not a big fan of saxophones uh, you go to scotland eh? it's uh got bagpipes there and you'd run screaming I played the bagpipes yeah. for five years when I was in, in high school. I live, um, I love the sound of the bagpipes. One of the places I lived in, in my old hometown um, was right beside a field where the local pipe bands practiced. And uh, I didn't hate bagpipes before, but when you hear pipe bands practice like every day all summer long, it was like, I've had enough. I'm good. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Still, don't, I don't hate the instrument still, but I just don't want to hear it. I <laughs> just don't want to hear it ever. No, it's it's <laughs> I, like when I, when there's like a a parade or something. It, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Anyways, now that here on the Al hates blah 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 podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks for that. Um, <laughs> so, what did you? Where did the name Vigilant come from? Uh, that came from a kind of a spur of the moment conversation. Actually, uh, I was. Uh, for a brief time teaching guitar um, to some younger students and uh, one of the bright shining kind of students, you know, was having a hard time, couldn't get a scale right or a chord or whatever it was, you know, and I've been playing for 12 something years at that time. So uh, I made it look effortless in, in their eyes and they were looking at me like, what do I need to do to get to that point? And um, I basically said, I was searching for a name for my business at the time too. And I said, you know, you just need to work hard, just keep playing your guitar and just stay vigilant. 
And that kind of, that word vigilant just really stuck in my head because I was looking for, I was looking for a name for the company. I know it's, it's traditional to really use your last name and Woodland would be an amazing name for guitars, of course, but um, I wanted to find a name that got my ego out of the equation because (laughs) I didn't, I didn't want to have a tied to just me like, Oh, this is a Trevor thing. I wanted it to kind of be more of an ideal and my approach to, not only the work ethic, but also just kind of the way I, I approached music as a, as a player back in the day when I was still really playing. And I think hard work will always trump talent. Um, so the name stuck. You're not wrong on the hard work trumping talent thing. That's uh, spot on, man. You're shaking, yeah, you're shaking your head, Casper. I'm, What's up? I'm, I'm just avoiding the cheap shot. That's all. What? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, well, it was, it's, it's a great sentiment. And I don't want to spoil it by <laughs> making fun of you. What if we avoided cheap shots I on know, the show? Man? I know. Why are you avoiding now? Yeah, start Come on. <laughs> um, so what was the line? Oh, uh, Hard work trumps talent. Yeah. All day. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. you've been making a business out of it for years. Oh. <laughs> Seeking, I, 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 sweet and sour, right? right? <laughs> <laughs> I like it. All yep. right, <laughs> oh, you made me do it. Al. Uh, I did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, was vigilant that like the dream was was it always to be like a full on custom shop? Um, well, you, you kind of get your feet wet, right? So, uh, you know, you, you hang out your, your name and uh, you take any job you can get, and it could have turned into a repair shop, it could have turned into uh, you know, just a modification company or something. But, um, I really uh, started to shine when I started taking the custom work, I think, um, because of, uh, just my, I think just my background in, in just using woodworking, uh, and just being in kind of the, the rural area of black Creek where I grew up. Um, we were just around wood all the time. You're chopping it for your stove. You know, my grandpa was a faller for 50 years. So, he had burls coming out the wazoo on like clocks and tables and he was just lying around the house. And, uh, um, you know, so I, I hate to be that guy, but what is a faller? Is it exactly what it sounds like? Somebody who just falls trees. trees? Yep. 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 Lumberjack logger, whatever. Um, a faller. Yeah. And, uh, so he, uh, my grandpa used to, he used to run off the spar poles and, you know, jig up everything for the logs to get dragged out of the woods. And, uh, you know, we've still got his old, uh, his old husk far and a saw that, um, I've got a great picture of him. He, uh, of him in a, it's in a tree that he cut down at 16 feet in diameter and, uh, it's just huge, but wow, that's a big tree. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's uh, some of the stories that he came out of the woods with, uh, you know, he would tell me as a kid and, um, I mean, unfortunately he was cutting down old growth forests, which was just kind of the industry of the times, but uh, I mean, from a young age, we were working around wood and, you know, learning, you know, maple trees and Western maple and Eastern maple. And, uh, this is a burl and you want to find these striations and this is how you find figure and, Oh, look at that one. And, um, so I was always like, just had that in my back pocket. I didn't know how valuable it was until I just started really sinking my teeth into the, the luthier trade. And, so I started saying like, Oh, Hey, there's some spalted maple. Why can't I do that on this top? And then I'll just run some figured wood here and figured wood there. And, you know, the trees that are just sitting around our backyards are, are just full of surprise. And once I started putting it on, on uh, guitar tops and guitar bodies and necks and fretboards, um, the custom work just started coming in and that's where it really took off. 
Cool. That is cool. Yeah. And I mean, you know, that that industry is it's it's weird. Like it it was a thing of its time. It really it really was. Like now we have a very different view of uh, cutting down old growth forests and stuff, and it's something that really stirs up a lot of uh, a lot of controversy. Almost, um, well, not almost, definitely does. Um, oh, absolutely. But uh, yeah, back then that was just a good way to make a living. Yep. Yeah. It. Um, I mean, it built a lot of towns here on Vancouver Island. Um, Campbell River was a huge, huge logging town. Courtney, all through Gold River, all up of the North Island. Um, we would go, we would go fishing with my dad and my grandpa and stuff. And they'll, you know, my dad can point out hills all across the side. Like we clear cut that entire mountain. It was just bare. Um, it was, I mean, the, there was some horrible stuff done in the past to the environment that, you know, it's only now just starting to come back and it's, uh, you know, you can't change the past, uh, but you can just kind of change your decisions moving forward. So, um, sure. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I'm not, uh, nobody here's, uh, holding anyone to a crucible or anything. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, uh, just an interesting, interesting stuff to note. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so starting out vigilant, did you, do you feel like it was an advantage? Did you get to be able to kind of, uh, work off of old contacts developed by your mentor? Did you kind of have to really develop them for yourself? Like it's, it can be a scary thing starting a business and trying to, trying to turn it into a full-time operation and uh, more fail than succeed. So how did, uh, how did that initial couple of years go for you? Uh, it was, I mean, it was tight. <laughs> um, you know, you'd save every scrap and every, you know, there's, there's if every offcut could be a potential inlay and every, offcut of that could be turned into dust, which could then be used as a paste. Right. Um, like nothing goes to waste. That's, it's, uh, you know, kind of getting back to the last comment, like it's, I, I know that the, this trade is, can be quite dirty sometimes, um, with, you know, lacquers and waste of wood and everything. So I really do try and, and use as much of the, the tree as possible because that's kind of the way that, you know, it's a good way to honor the wood and honor how it, you know, just how you should, uh, approach your building as efficient, as efficient as possible. Um, but yeah, I know every, every screw, every drywall screw, every bobbin, every pot, everything had to be used properly in the right time. So, um, it was, uh, but I think the, the kind of the tenacity of not only myself and just the, uh, um, experience working with exotic materials and, and really just not being able to say no to hard work <laughs> kind of served me pretty well. I just said, you know, where everyone else said, I don't want that job. That's, that looks like an ugly job. I was raising my hand saying, yeah, I'll take a paycheck. <laughs> and uh, you really learn how to deal with hard customers that no one wants to deal with. Um, you have to learn how to do that, you know, that inlay, that, fret job that, uh, you know, whatever layout it is, uh, because your livelihood depends on it. So you've got skin in the game and you just figure it out and, uh, you know, do it right and charge a fair price. And, uh, the customers kept coming back. So, um, and now I'm, you know, got wait lists coming and I mean, if things keep going the way they are, it's like, I'm going to need some, I'm going to need a hand in the future here pretty quick. So shop hand or apprentice or something i'm not sure but uh it's getting busy that's awesome that is that is fantastic yeah. 
yeah, think, no, it, that's gonna, that's going to be a different game altogether <laughs> going from, uh, <laughs> you know, that it's a business too. That's, that's the hardest part is managing, managing inventory, managing staff. It's a, it's a whole new ballpark. So, mm. and managing your growth. Yep. Which, Capturing it and managing it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, I mean, it's an enviable position. I think it's a good position to be in that you're, you're having to start to think like that. Cause, uh, boy, if we, especially in the pedal building world, we talk to people all the time. We're, we're in a privileged position ourselves in the sense that, uh, we get to talk to a lot of people because of this show. Um, and we are part of, uh, a couple of like pedal groups and stuff like that where they're private and, and, uh, a lot of these guys are doing it for the passion of it, and uh, it's it's a it's a hobby that stresses them because mm. uh, financially it's it's challenging, and um, you know there, there's whole discussion threads going out into their these groups about how to uh, how to transition from part time to full time, how to make the uh, make the leap, and how to <laughs> stay afloat and stuff, and. Anytime we get to hear that somebody's doing well and is and is making a success out of a thing, that's just like, that's that's the good fruit right there. We're happy. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I, I'm I I really gotta yeah count blessings because it's it's I know <laughs> it's uh, not everyone does get to make that jump and land on their feet. It's um so I'm not uh, not ungrateful about it, but uh, it's it's you know it's not out with undo without its stress, uh, but. Uh, yeah, it's a crazy world, and especially these days, it's uh, being, being in business <laughs> with COVID and everything still running the way it is. It's uh, crazy times. Yeah, yeah, everybody's, yeah, for sure. everybody's, I don't think anybody's untouched. If you're untouched by this mess, you are part of a very wealthy uh, group of humans, I think. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I can, which uh, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not part of the wealthy humans, though I'd love to be. It seems fun. <laughs> <laughs> so you've done some pretty challenging stuff, man. Like, I, if anybody's not following you on Instagram uh, and listening to this, you should definitely uh, you should get out get out there and follow Vigilant Guitars. Because um, your Instagram is just, it's pure candy, pure fantasy candy for guitarists. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. I try to keep it, um, try to keep a variety of things up there just for, my own interest sake too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you've done everything under the sun, uh, really. Like I, I, I see builds on your site and on your Instagram where you've got LEDs inlaid into semi-hollow pockets of the body. You could do multi-scale stuff all the time, uh, multi-string, uh, expanded fretboards and stuff. You do classic type stuff. You've done some really wild and crazy stuff, just running the gamut of of builds out there from basses to baritones to seven, eight, nine strings. Like it, it's, you've, you've become a guy, a go-to guy for, for modern custom high-end stuff. Was that the game plan all along or was that something that uh, you kind of uh, steered into as, as uh, you saw some potential in that direction? Um, yeah, no, the, the latter point is, uh, is a big part. I mean, in any trade, you gotta, you gotta kind of honor the greats. Um, you know, your Les Pauls, your strats, um, you gotta know the basics before you head into the, uh, the avant garde. Uh, but I mean, the avant garde is so much fun. Mm. <laughs> it's, you get to like, 
uh, it, I'm not in, I'm not in the, in this game to, and I'm not trying to knock anybody who does like, you know, relic telly or that kind of game. Those, those guys are magicians in their own right. Um, but I mean, I, I, I don't want to do another cookie cutter, um, kind of copycat sort of thing. It's, it's just not my, uh, uh, it's just not what interests me. I want to, I want, I want to challenge and I want to kind of create that instrument that is, is going to be a part of, you know, pushing music or helping an artist find that new sound and kind of chasing that weird tone dream that we all kind of have in the back of our heads. Like if I just need, I need a baritone neck and then if I strap a P90 to it, or then I, you know, what if I, uh, you know, do a multi-scale here and oh, could I just throw in some LEDs or what about, what about this pick? What about that? And, and you just start kind of throwing more and more and, uh, uh, all of course within, you know, <laughs> uh, reasonable, um, you know, reason, reasonable parameters. I've got my inbox is just as much full of weird requests for like, that would never work. <laughs> I'll find those, but, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's quite fun. Um, I do have to take a little bit of a step back too, because it's, because you get more and more popular being the guy that does that kind of work, you get a lot of weird stuff and you got to reel back and say, what's, what's feasible for me to have long-term growth as a business. And then also if you're, if you're only ever building, you know, one-off stuff, you can never really get terribly good at that, that thing. <laughs> it's a hundred percent custom work can get really tricky because it's the first time you're building it because that guitar or that instrument doesn't exist anywhere in the world. That's the point. So, um, comes with its own, um, dangerous territory sometimes. Okay. You know, I never really considered that, that if you're, everything is a one-off, you can't really refine it through repetition. You're, I mean, but at the same time, you gotta be, you gotta be increasing your skills every time you do a, a build. It's, it's. Absolutely. Um, you always like fall back on your principles. I mean, you know, the, one of the handiest tools beside my bench is my library, to be honest. Um, it's just chock full of books of pictures of the guitars, old numbers, formulas. Um, you've, you've got to kind of fall back on the math more often than not. And even though you've never done this inlay or you've never done, you know, uh, like a 10 string guitar, you, you fall back on your formula and say, well, I know how to do that. And I know how to do that. So this should be fun. And you just got to trust yourself and, you know, trust your numbers, sharpen your pencil and, uh, and uh, just, don't mess up. <laughs> <laughs> the, just don't mess up. Yeah, that's yeah. the that's the key right there. Just just don't mess it up. <laughs> yeah. So when you first did your first multi-scale build, that um, one's in fire actually. <laughs> <laughs> so that's an experiment for yourself that just uh, you, you weren't happy with, or? Uh, well, no, it worked, but there's also um, there's also just tolerances that you have to consider on multi-scales like um bands and uh you know like where whereabouts should the parallel fret go where should um how how steep can your hands actually go what uh what's the string spread here what's the heel shape going to be here and it's not as simple as just slapping on a fretboard and go um there's a lot more to consider especially in the multi-scale world well, that one ended up in the fire. That one ended up in the fire. Yeah, that one. Yeah, fortunately, my mistake burned really well. So okay, <laughs> so you literally burned it. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, I've never made a mistake because it's all uh, up in smoke now. So. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's no proof it didn't happen. We have uh, a couple of my friends have a sauna, so it's kind of it's kind of nice to literally sweat it out, knowing that your <laughs> mistakes are heating the fire. So <laughs> <laughs> that's great. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Metal builders probably have a hard time of it. it probably stinks, but <laughs> burning up uh, the <laughs> and and... Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't really know what the pedal builders do that way. I think they probably just have a pile somewhere. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. Yeah. It seemed like Ryan Clark had a junk pile some. Uh, in the uh, Sheldon Ends has a really good pile of yeah, stuff going on, like a box just <laughs> overflowing with stuff. Yep. <laughs> so, do you, what was the first like standard thing you started doing with Vigilant? uh the first standard thing uh well i started i think it was last uh last year or so i really started standardizing some of my models i have kind of my mark one two and three and it was uh well not last year last year was horrible that was 2020 sorry the year before that So yeah, whenever that was the back in normal days, um, I standardized a couple of models and that was really, uh, three shapes that kind of, uh, took variation from the Les Paul, uh, kind of a telly single cut and then your super strat being the Mark three. And I just kind of in dealing with custom builds, uh, I found those three shapes would be like, okay, there's a market for these. I enjoy these. And this is kind of my take on the matter. So, you know, pickup configurations, exotic woods, layout, multi-scale, all of that's still free on the table. So it's pretty custom, but at least there's just some shapes that I can call my own. I'm not having to copy, you know, you, I would get folks asking, Oh, can you do a, you know, a eight string flying V, but then with a firebird headstock say, and I'd just be like, Oh man, this is such a headache. Cause some of this stuff's just not going to line up. But, uh, um, so I was kind of putting my foot down a little bit more and like, Hey, why don't I do just, you know, maybe like a Mark two with these shapes, uh, you know, we can go, we can go crazy on woods and electronics and layout and all that fun stuff. And, um, starting to, you know, kind of drive the, the customer into familiar territory for me. Um, and that's, that's something I'm going to be carrying on in 2021 with, with a few more models that'll be, uh, coming out in the uh, hopefully not too distant future. So still all available with, again, kind of crazy, crazy woods, crazy layouts and crazy electronics, but, uh, um, just a little bit of, uh, grounded work that, uh, you know, is home to the vigilant shop. I like that. Yeah. I think that's probably a wise move too. Yeah. And the, there will always be the opportunity, like for the guys who really want to go, like, I have a really cool idea you know, and they run it by me and it's like, Oh, that would be amazing. Then yes. Like, please send it my way. I'm, I'll, I'll never, I'll never turn down a, a good idea. <laughs> um, I've, I've heard a fair few, but, uh, well, that's good. Um, I, I think you got to have those boundaries where you, where you know to cross and, and expand and grow and then make, you know, ones that you stand your ground on and, <laughs> You got to guide the ship, right? It's it's your your name and your legacy, and and you gotta you gotta create that that brand experience. Mm. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, it's it's you know, I, with uh, I mean, you guys being musicians and what it's uh, you know, you can you can kind of cater to a to a show as much as you can, but it's, sometimes it's like you know what, I don't do 
death core grind metal too well. So, you know, how about how we go back into some cool blues riff? <laughs> you, you just got to do what you're doing comfortable. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I don't do death core grind metal too well either. What's that? It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's grown up music. You wouldn't understand. <laughs> okay. Maybe when I'm older. Maybe. Lucky. Uh, so is it a crazy world getting into the multi-scale stuff and the multi-string stuff and having to find and, and source parts and, and, uh, you know, cause it's, it's really a market that, um, it's really exploded in the past, maybe 10 years. Um, and before that it was just non-existent. You know, there was like Conkle was out there doing multi-scale stuff and Dingwall was really carrying the torch in a lot of ways for bases. But, uh, uh, outside of that, um, it wasn't until, you know, the last decade that, that a lot of manufacturers have hopped on board with the, the, the fan fret multi-scale expanded string thing. Um, so it must've been, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of leading the question here, but I know, and I know that, but I imagine it must've been a challenge to source pickups, to source parts, to source uh, all the things you needed to make that happen. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and it continues to be for sure. Um, pickups are a tricky one. Uh, I mean, folks who come to my shop, they're asking, you know, they'll give me two scale lengths and a parallel fret and that angle will end up being what it's going to be. And, you know, unless you're using like a soap bar pickup, um, I use Fishman's a lot just because they're a nice steady you know, active soap bar. Um, it kind of looks a bit funny. The pole spacing never really quite lines up. Um, you can use blades and, uh, blade pickups, which are great, but it, it's just not as conducive. It's, it's, it's pretty amazing just how standardized guitar hardware is for certain functions. Um, and it's, it's not as adaptable as it might seem sometimes, um, bridges, tuners, um, even fret wire stuff like you can't get pre-cut fret wire because a lot of it, uh, just the slanting of the frets is not long enough for the upper register. Um, so you have to buy in spools, just, just little things like that. Um, or, you know, long lengths, um, nut blank has to be wider. Uh, it can't just be a regular blank. That's, uh, you know, 47 mil wide. That's not enough for certain slants. You have to use a, a full, um, two inch slab. So material costs go up, um, you know, uh, just understanding how the radius will traverse with the fan and how, you know, uh, just the geometry of that will work. Um, there's a, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a deep world, but <laughs> sometimes you just got to turn your brain off. I find and just do it and mm -hmm. just follow your measurements, follow your principles. And if you make a mistake, I mean, the big thing is, is being, being able to measure your mistakes and understand where you went wrong, then it's, it's not so much a mistake, um, cause you've learned from it. So it's, it's a, it's a really good approach. It's the mistakes you can't understand that are terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, uh, that's where it goes wrong. Um, but I think as the industry is, and as the musicians are becoming more receptive of it, um, the technology that's fueling it is becoming more and more accessible too. Um, I started cutting those slots, you know, you, you on with a ruler and my little packs fret saw, and, uh, you just have a sharp scalpel, sharp pencil, and you just, again, just follow the formulas and, you know, cut your slots by hand. That, that served me well for a, a few years, but now with a, a, a CNC, um, 
it's really opened up those doors to take that load off my, you know, the brain capacity. And, uh, I mean, CNCs are getting cheaper and cheaper. Um, online calculators are becoming more ubiquitous, uh, as musicians become more well-versed in, uh, in just the benefits at a multi-scale are become, you know, it's, it's, it's really opening a lot of doors for musicians to express themselves. And I think that's, that's, we're going to start seeing some really cool, there already are out there, but some really popular guitar heroes that are using multi-scales and doing stuff that, you know, was just unthinkable of, you know, 10, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. That's a, it kind of lends into a neat point too. It's, uh, that must've been a heck of a transition for yourself going from, you know, building a guitar by hand with like, you know, cutting frets with a scalpel into CNC all yourself. Is that right? Yeah. So, I mean, there's a whole other learning curve to the whole thing is running an, an AutoCAD and building a building CAD files and, and, and uh, yeah, the bridge between that is almost feels like it's insurmountable to me. <laughs> oh, I think, was it, uh, it was your, your quiz with, uh, was it, I think it was more, um, yeah. Dan presence of more guitars. Yeah. Yeah. And he was saying, I think it was, was it PRS that can do a guitar in six hours? Yeah. Isn't that astonishing? That blew my mind. <laughs> yeah. I was like, no way. <laughs> I was like, oh, I should just hang up my tools and just go home. But, but you know, I don't have, a, you know, okay. I'm so conflicted in my feelings on, on that revelation. Cause on one hand, I get it. They're, they're not trying to be a small, you know, Hands on, hands on shop. They're, they're trying to be a big brand and that's fine. They are a big brand. Um, so, okay. You get your, your manufacturing is all it at that level. You're McDonald's, you're streamlining a manufacturing process. That's what it's about. You're, you're, it's the, the road Henry Ford started back in the day. But what I don't have the easiest time swallowing is, uh, like a few years ago, price, the, the price gap on a Paul Reed Smith guitar just shot up in like one year. Um, they had the, like the classic range ones with the deep dish carved tops, like those shot up into like four to five grand. And then they had their kind of like mid range models in the two to three grand <laughs> range where you didn't get that crazy deep dish carved top. And then that you had the SE stuff, the import stuff that was, you know, 1200 and under kind of a, a thing. And so when you think, when you think about like, oh, five thousand dollars for a guitar that took six hours. Took to six make. hours. <laughs> well, I think it was the, really hard to swallow the standard that. series, yeah. right? And is that is that the top model? No, that's honestly that's a standard series PRS. You get a custom twenty four with uh, a nice top. You're going to be looking at mid four thousand yeah. six hours. Wow. So that's that's a little like, okay, I could do that. Um, or, you know, if, if I'm going to spend that much on an, on an instrument, I don't have some problem with anybody doing that. Yeah. Uh, at that point, that's when the, when guys like, like yourself, Trevor, start looking real appealing to me. Cause yeah. it's like, well, do I care about the name on the headstock or do I care about getting everything I want? And, and from a builder, you know, is going to be meticulous and not some. Well, I'm not going to hack on Party Smith's building not no, myself, no. but. So at some point. Uh, in that process, um, the soul of the instrument is lost. It's the soul of the craftsman that built it. That's, I mean, I, I own custom instruments 
uh, from you're going to get angry emails from dentists and lawyers, man. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but I'm just that's the I guess bring it on. I guess um, I feel like having a, a craftsman build me something that is exactly what I want, um, or maybe maybe it's even something I don't even know I want, but it's something that that craftsman builds. Um, then that's the value. The value is the uniqueness and and the it's the build the quality put by someone's hands, not by. <laughs> it's a different by, thing, right? Like not by a, an assembly line. You any know, like, any custom twenty two from Paul Smith you touch, it's going to be the same, all the way down the line. Anything hand built, there's going to be tweaks appealing? and stuff. Dear, I, man, I, it obviously is. They're selling thousands of them a month. Well, look, look I guess that just doesn't appeal to me. No, that, I, think, I think it might have, I don't know, I might interject here, but there's I, there's kind of a beauty in the community that it builds because you all have a shared experience. Mm. Um, if you all, like, the Strat community is, they love their Strats, right? The, the Gibson guys, they love their Gibsons. Um, and everything has its faults. It always will be. I mean, engineering-wise, the guitar is a horribly engineered <laughs> instrument in some ways. Um, so if the precision and efficiency is, is to that nth degree that, you know, PRS has, has, you know, come to manufacture. Um, there's kind of this neat shared use experience that the kid, you know, jamming out in Indonesia has the same instrument as the guy in, you know, Bristol and the other guy in, you know, uh, Vancouver Island, you all have the same guitar. So you can all share that same, kind of that shame that same relic artifact and tool that you use to to um you know express yourselves hmm. uh, so there i think there's merit to that but i i have to agree with you too that the kind of the ingenuity that comes with the lone craftsman um is lost in that giant factory yeah um, i think that's where the appeal is lost for me um, and, yeah. and, and sharing sharing the experience with somebody you know you and i al had almost matching um like 60s uh, Japanese Matsumoko built guitars and that was appealing mm -hmm. but those are not, those are kind of a rarish bird uh, in the the state that we re that we got ours yeah but, you know I would well maybe maybe let's spin it another way we just had a big episode about Odyssey guitars uh, with Craig Jones fairly recently right and that's a there's a whole community surrounding those guitars and and I've always felt really attached to it because I had one yeah and uh, those aren't really custom they were they were manufactured. They were standardized models, and, and in a much different way. Sure, but mm -hmm. that's part of it, right? You're yeah. you're kind of getting in on that. that See, but you can stuff. you can talk to the guy that sprayed the finish on those guitars. You can talk to the guy that did any of the the brass machining. You can talk to those guys. You can't <laughs> you can't t talk to I'm, an I'm assembly sure, line full of robots. I'm sure Phil uh, running one of the buffer machines at the PRS factory has Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Phil, if you're listening. <laughs> no, and maybe there's a maybe there's a gap between my knowledge of how that assembly factory and how that system works that I'd love to learn. It's, but I don't yeah. feel like it's something jaw-dropping. <laughs> Please still come on the show, Paul Reed Smith. No, well, yeah, prove prove me wrong. I'm allowed my opinion. I know. Now. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I I think I think Trevor hit the nail on the head. You know, yeah, there's no, some, there's something there's there a community too. there, and people like being a part of that, or people like playing the guitars. They've seen their heroes play. There's something there too, right? Um, like it's 
it was really cool for me to get my paws on an SG because there were guitar players that rocked those things that I worshipped. And, you know, I still love my SG for that. Mm. Um, that being said, getting to kind of work with uh, Mr. Trevor Cronbauer and, and kind of design an acoustic that was just for me and completely unique, uh, that was a whole other experience that was awesome. And Absolutely. You know. I think you have to come at it from two different directions then. Um, to have a really, really good sounding, playing, feeling instrument in your hands that's created in that way, you can't go into it, well, from my perspective, I shouldn't say for everyone, but I couldn't go into that looking to get that unique experience that just sits deep in my no, soul. No, you can't. Like, and, and that's what I get from most of, I mean, from my custom guitar build, that's what I get from that. And, but then, and, you know, uh, and, and therein is the mistake, right? If you were to go into it with that attitude. Exactly. And I couldn't. You'd probably and I be don't disappointed know. with what you bought. So uh, having played your SG, and I actually, I I love the sound of your, of your SG, man. It plays phenomenally. It's fantastic guitar. It's, there's nothing wrong with that at all. It's a great guitar. And I would own one if they're, yeah, we're not going to get into that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um but you have you can't go into it looking for the unique experience, and I think maybe I've become spoiled by that <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> maybe a little bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably a lot of bit. <laughs> oh, that's that's okay, you know. Yeah, I think uh, we're doing a lot of talking for an episode where we have a guest on mm. it. But uh, so, <laughs> no, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> I think if I could. This is my money where it was not a, a hindrance thing. I would have a really nice, like, aircraft hangar that was humidity and temperature controlled. Oh, yeah? That had great furniture in it and was just a, it was basically a guitar museum for all the different guitars I love. And I would have stuff from rad independent guys. Harmony. I would have a buttload. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the Uncle Seamus episode. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> Oh geez, I would, but I would, I would have a collection of 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 various Gibson and Fender models, and I'd have all these all these things all over the place, because uh, I I love guitar, I just love it. I and there's something to be said for the history and importance of these standardized models and these companies and what they brought, and then there's something to be said for being a Jerry Garcia type and only buying guitars from <laughs> like specific small builders and. Yeah. And doing that kind of a thing. And, and yeah, it's it's different experiences. But in the end of the day, at the end of the day, uh, I love guitar. And uh, we're all part of that culture. We can get we can get together about that. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. Well Start said. a podcast about that. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> you know about, like, guitar culture? Oh. Bringing it together? Man, you're on to something. <laughs> There's something there. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I, I've totally lost my train of thought. I had questions lined up in my brain to ask Trevor now. Did you write them no, down? No, 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 I didn't. I've been doodling, doodling headstocks. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> oh, well, on that note, how, how hard is it to design a great headstock, Trevor? Oh, dear. Um, <laughs> uh, I am struggling, my friend. I, no, I noticed. Um, <laughs> there were a couple of bangers in there, but uh, yeah, let's just leave it at that. Um, <laughs> it took me about an hour, about an hour to chisel out the rough idea 
and then, <laughs> See, now and we're then kinda... another couple hours of like refinement. So, so listeners to kind of, I just don't know another way of doing this, but we're working on a project with Trevor. We've kind of, and I'm not going to get too into it. So we kind of want to, don't want to spoil the surprise. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> I've been doodling headstocks. Casper doodled one that he was happy with, with, like he said, within an hour. Yeah. <laughs> I've been doodling headstocks nonstop for weeks. like two weeks now. <laughs> I've drawn hundreds. I had a I had a list of like fifty plus like top designs that yeah. I posted some pictures of and had people vote on. <laughs> um, I sent the the list to, to Trevor and uh, he he suggested a couple that he thought were good and and now here I am trying to doodle even more <laughs> as we're talking. It's dang hard. Mm. How did yeah, you do it, man? What? How did you come up with headstocks you liked for your guitars? Oh gosh, uh, I mean it's such a hard thing too, right? Because it's 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 the uh, mark of the maker, but and you want to, you know, give a nod to your influences, but not step on their toes, right? So, and it's such a hard, it's such a small surface area that carries so much function in the guitar. Um, I, I, you know, I like doing straight pull, uh, with my strings. I don't like doing vintage pull if, uh, unless the client really requests it, um, just for tuning stability's sake. Um, so the tuners, uh, especially if you're doing like a three and three configuration, they, they, they kind of have to go in a certain order and then you're battling the, um, you know, the gearbox ratios on the back for the tuners. And there's a bit more room if you're using locking tuners and you really, I really, I'm function should always, you know, supersede form. Um, as far as I'm concerned, like if it could look beautiful, it could be gorgeous and shiny, but if it, if it can't stay in tune, you can't play it, then it's just going to sit on a shelf. So it's always got to function well before it's, um, before it's, you know, it shows its pretty face to the world. So, uh, so throwing those functions, straight pull, all those things I wanted, locking tuners, tuning stability, you know, like a three and three, you were kind of left with only so many shapes that really uh, show up. So it's, it's really just defining your, the values you want in the headstock and then sticking to those, sticking to those guns and then just playing with those shapes that are available. And, and a lot of fun with the bandsaw too. <laughs> we'll start coming up with some pretty cool shapes. Uh, much like the ones you had, I think you had some ones with some crazy wings sticking out the side and like, <laughs> like that. Like a bird, and then uh, it's a rocket ship. I, yeah, yeah. that was yeah. the one that I literally of of the many headstocks I doodled. One I just literally slapped two pointed wings on it, so it looked like a rocket, but a terrible rocket. And no, we're, it, not doing we're not doing no. that. It was just it was. I just put it on the list as a joke, just to see if people noticed it, because like. Yeah. It, there's no function at all there. You it can't have my, tuning machines with it was rocket my wings. Top and... pick, to be honest. <laughs> I did not vote on your post, but that would be my top pick. There were some people who legitimately were like, "That one, that's the one." <laughs> like, no, and I and I posted the the look of the the body shape that I was thinking that this is gonna go with, and people were still like, "Yep, that that hideous jagged crap rocket thing," <laughs> on top of that smooth curved. <laughs> Body, um, can we call it the crap rocket if I make it? Tur turd yeah. rocket. <laughs> it's not going to get made, but it can be called the crap rocket. Yes, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> um, the next, uh, it'll be the vigilant offshoot brand, the crap rocket. <laughs> With the uh, turd caster and the uh, bowel movement. Oh no! <laughs> it's the bowel oh. movement, the base. 
Oh. <laughs> oh dear. No, I'll have a mother or mother of toilet seat inlays all the fun and it'll have like a bedpan like binding or something. Oh man, okay. Look, Look at this. you know you're on to binding. You are yeah. onto something here. I, yeah. True oh, visionary. Just yeah. What a, oh what yeah. A, what well, a when you work alone, it's it's yeah you, yeah it gets dangerous. <laughs> just you occasionally got to crank out an ugly one to get. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> Uh, did you have a favorite build you've done in the past five years? Uh, oh gosh. Um, you know, it would, uh, yes, it would have to be the one I built for, um, Andrew Kingsley over at, uh, Unleash the Archers. Um, that was, that was kind of cool on a lot of levels. Um, the top was, uh, it's spalted maple that we cut from a burl that my dad and I, um, uh, cut from our kind of family cabin up on Quadra Island. Uh, and it was one of the first burls I cut, you know, back in 2015 when I was like, I'm, I'm going to do this. And dad's like, okay, whatever. <laughs> and, uh, you know, started bucking it up into tops and you had to wait for the burl to dry, which took a year or two. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, it, it was a hard, it was really punky. It was, it was really spalted, but somehow I got to stabilize it. And then, uh, I reached out to Andrew who I went to high school with, um, you know, I wasn't close buddies with him at all in high school or anything, but, you know, I was a really big fan of his band, um, Unleash the Archers, and uh, just said, hey, you know, I build a guitar here. I'd love to build you a guitar. And he, oddly enough, he said yes. So I said, oh, okay, <laughs> well, I got this wood. And then now seeing that guitar that I cut down, you know, with my dad from the family cabin and then played by a local friend in one of, you know, the bands that I'm actually like a huge fan of on, you know, I have the vinyl sitting over my head here and it's like, Holy smokes. Just seeing from that grassroots of that was just a nub on a tree. And now it's making a guitar solo on my, one of my, you know, a great album that I love. Like, okay, I'm, I'm in it. I'm in it. Today. I'm riding the guy. Like, <laughs> um, that was, uh, that one's by far, but, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, Guitars with a story, I think, are the best ones. Because um, you can, it's just, it's, it takes on a character of its own. That's awesome. How many have you built for yourself? Uh, none. They're all for sale. <laughs> that's, a, that's not the first time. Yeah. <laughs> Why does that always yeah. seem to happen, hey? Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't really play much anymore, to be honest. I don't have time. And uh, it's, uh, I kind of, I, I feel lucky. I kind of like, I found that, that weird secret. It's like, oh man, you guys think you're having fun playing guitars. Just like if you started making them, you, you know, there's, there's, there's no mojo in that making it's where it's, it's really, <laughs> where it's really the fun stuff is happening. I mean, it's kind of boring now. <laughs> I, I have, uh, I have built a couple, not at your level uh, at any way, but I, I definitely agree. It has its own mojo and it is super awesome. There's, there's nothing like it. Yeah. <laughs> but of course, it's just very like. <laughs> I, I we asked uh, Doctor Scientist. Uh, we didn't even ask them actually. It just sort of came up in, in conversation, I think. But um, 
we were talking to Ryan and Neil from Dr. Scientist. I'm like, so how many like pedals of your, like, do you have in your collection of that of your, of your own? How many weird ones and stuff? And they're like, oh, we have none of our. Yeah. <laughs> they might have like the odd prototype of something kicking around. Yeah, or but on it'll, a it's in like maybe. an ugly con- yeah. enclosure with like a hole in the side yeah. or something. They don't own one of their own complete pedals. They don't have any of their own production pedals. It's funny. Um, <laughs> it's, I mean, there's also that thing. You, you do kind of get sick of looking at the thing after a while. Um, you know, <laughs> if you spend 40, 50, 60 hours on the thing and level sanding or whatever, fret work, and you're just like, you know what, uh, it, this was fun, but it, go in the case and, you know, I'll take my paycheck, thanks. But uh, <laughs> yeah, looking back on it, I mean, I love all of them, of course, but, uh, but uh, yeah, there's a few that have a great story behind them. That's so cool. That's awesome. Uh, man, uh, <laughs> uh I think we could probably end up talking to you all day if we let ourselves, but a uh, couple of things before I forget. When you started doing stuff like adding LEDs or lumen light, that kind of thing, did you, mm. did you get a lot of advice on that or did you screw up a lot and did you burn a lot of guitars? <laughs> and, uh, um, well, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's no shortage of firewood around here, but, uh, no, I, I've got a really great wiring guru in town, um, Phil, over at CCTV, um, Capital, uh, Capital City Transistor and Valve. He's, he's, um, he's got me out of a few jams, especially with the LED stuff. And uh, he, just, he just knows how electrons move. I don't know what it is, but uh, I've, I've brought in weird things I've made, and he's made it work somehow with a little diode or a cap here or whatever it is. So he's helped me out a lot and I got to give him a shout out for sure. But, um, no, I've been sitting on something that's, I'm hopefully going to be finishing here when I get some spare time, but it's been in my, it's been in my brain for a while. And there it's a, it's a modified, um, vape pen that with a heating element that, uh, uses the glycerin gel to generate smoke and, we've found the power supply small enough to fit inside a 43 mil body, 43 uh, mil thick body. I can fire that through a number of chambers in like a tele thin line chassis. And it has enough power supply, heating and ventilation that you can basically have a onboard smoke machine that can, you know, you can just power around and, you know, because it's a vape pen, you can kind of put whatever smell you want in there. So um, <laughs> that's amazing you built a sensi into a guitar that's so yeah. great <laughs> i think that's so, a, I, you know i've been on some smelly stages i kind of think this is genius <laughs> yeah it's it's i mean leds and lumen lays I mean, they have their they have they're pragmatic in some sense but you know i mean i don't i don't see why not why can't the guitar be part of the show like you know let, let's let's make it sparkle and shimmer and light up and you know smoke and glow in the dark let's let's do it like let's i mean i can't imagine what the shows are going to be like when covid finally you know takes a dive and you know people are going to go to bars and clubs and they're going to want to they're going to want to party pretty hard so i think you know let's let's make the guitars part of the show and uh it's uh it's gonna be a wild wild west for sure hopefully they also want to see Really uh, intimate, deep storytelling folk uh, singers who uh, <laughs> tour alone. 
Oh, hey, I, absolutely. I'll, I'll come up to Vernon. I'll see you guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think the hope is that uh, I'll be able to tour again and see you where you yeah. are. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, please look me up. We're, you're happy to stay here and uh, in Jam Out in Victoria. We'd love to have you. Excellent. It's been a while since I sat in the musician's pit at the Copper Owl. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think everybody, yeah, that's that year, but... That's a, that's a rite of passage if you tour through Victoria. you got to do at least one gig at the Owl. Yeah, I, I played there, oh gosh, forever ago. Old, old, old band back in the day. But, uh, yep, that's where you can cut your teeth in a place like that for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. And you, uh, I wonder if they still do. The way, it, the way it used to work when I last time I played there, and any time previous I played there. But uh, they... It's a, it's a kind of, uh, not quite pay to play experience, but almost you, <laughs> yeah. you charge at the door. They take the feet, they take the, they take a cut to pay the sound guy out of the door charge. They take a cut to pay the door guy out of the door charge. And then you get whatever's after that. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, be warned touring acts, uh, make sure you have a crowd coming. <laughs> yeah. That usually helps the show, doesn't it? Yep. <laughs> But I think the the first time I played the Copper Owl was back in like 2013 with an, with a former band of mine, and we had no clue what was going on. Um, our manager had set the gig up and didn't provide us with any details. And this is like one of our earliest tours, so we're you know it's a shoestring budget at best. And <laughs> so then at the end of the night, the, the manager of the place comes up and is like, uh, "So this is the cut after paying the the door guy and the sound guy." We're like, "Paying the who and the what now? <laughs> you you don't pay those guys, we do." <laughs> so it was, uh, it was an interesting experience. It was, it was fun though. It's a good place to play. <laughs> so, how long is your wait list? Because you said you had a wait list. I'm jumping all over the place. Yeah. I'm sorry. Oh I'm just... yeah, no, no, no. Um, I mean, <laughs> it's funny. I'm getting. I like the. I'm getting calls just uh i mean it's the monday after new year's kind of thing people are i guess kind of reconciling with their bank accounts and saying like yeah i could get one and then they're calling me so it's uh it's it's kind of nice but um you know right now i'm not starting i've got my books full until april may for sure and then uh things will be starting after that um so i i mean i do try and work pretty quick uh builds are usually about four months five months or so um I'm really fortunate that I can do it from home. So, you know, it basically I roll out of bed and, you know, put some pants on and get to work kind of thing. And, uh, uh it can cut, cut, uh, cut some time down on that. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, the year's going to be busy. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome man. Man. Well, we're excited to be, uh, we're excited to reveal details more what we're doing with you in later on in the year here, but we're excited to be a part of that busy year. Yeah. If you're, if the specs between the both of you guys keep going the way it is, it's like, oh man, I'm going to be really, really busy. <laughs> <laughs> That's a subtle calm down if I've ever heard oh, one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's just like, oh man, it's, it's, it's sometimes too many options is, uh, wow. It, no, I'm excited about what we're, what we're laying out, but, uh, it's, it's, it's going to be fun. There's just enough challenge where it's going to be really, really interesting, but, uh, no, I think, I think we're gonna have some really cool stuff come online for the show yeah it's awesome yeah we're super excited um well we'll we'll keep that secret for for down the road there listeners but there is some really really exciting stuff coming that we're really excited to share with you when the time is right um trevor uh how do people best get a hold of you and or find you 
Uh, the best way they can reach me is uh, through email. Um, you can check it out on my site. Uh, it's Trevor at VigilantGuitars.com. That's uh, usually the best way to get a hold of me. Um, I'm pretty receptive through social media, uh, Facebook, uh, Instagram. Um, if I don't get back to you within, you know, a couple of days or two, it's usually because <laughs> I got glue on my hands or two fingers or near a bandsaw blade or something. So um, I'm pretty quick to respond to messages there. And uh, yeah, uh, it's, it's, I'm always happy to chat to folks about, um, you know, ideas or if there's a job that, you know, it's just not my forte, I'll, be happy to pass you on to um, other local builders around, you know, Vancouver Island, Canada, uh, or even the world. And uh, even folks who are just curious about certain specs and things like that, like, you know, what is multi-scale? What is true temperament? What is, you know, what's the difference between A and B? And uh, I'll usually send you in the right direction with a, an article or a, a YouTube video. So um, yeah, I'm happy to talk shop. Yeah. You've been, you've been amazing. Uh, our experience dealing with you we've, we're really enjoying it. We're really glad we got to have you on the show, man. Um, thanks for taking the time to hang out with us. Oh, no, it's been a pleasure. I, again, I've, I've uh, it really turned on to what you guys are doing, and I think it's 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 really helpful for me to learn about other builders and other craftsmen and um, and just to hear you guys, uh, you know, just, just expand upon this, you know, big old musical universe that we all we all love and care about. So it's I got to hand it to you guys. It's It's a big thank you. Oh, thanks, thanks, man. That's Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, that's it for this week. Um, we will uh, we'll be back another week from now with uh, someone else cool talking about some other cool stuff <laughs> for you all to listen in on. And we'll see you then. <laughs>